The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting. It also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others. Like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. Going through those, uh, the, the advent, uh, when they would light a candle, and one of those candles they would light uh, would be the candle of peace, and then the candle of joy, the cam uh, candle of hope, and the candle of love. It would be a reminder of what Christ was, uh, was going to do based on the prophecies that we read about in the Old Testament. Isaiah had a lot of prophecies that came true, and that's why you saw that in there. We're going to read one of those. And so what I want to focus on this morning is that candle lighting of peace.
that what is peace? Well, we, we know what that is. It's, it's, it brings uh, uh, this wholeness to our lives, even in the midst of just some of these bad issues that come. So let me help you understand that when you look at Irene and you look at, uh, you, you look at Shalom, one thing we need to remember is the understanding of peace. Now listen to this, because this will help you. The understanding of peace biblically does not, it doesn't focus on the absence of any type of problems that come to our life. It, it doesn't give away, it doesn't say, hey, listen, that's no longer going to be in your life because peace is taking over. It never says that. It says that, and, and all the understandings of peace is it's not the focus that we're not going to have trouble. It's the focus that through our troubles, we have the ability to live a life of peace. The biblical, this biblical peace is... Um, it's not related to our circumstances. Now listen, you're going to think, what did he just say? It's not related to our circumstances, but it's related to our circumstances. Does that make sense? Peace is not there just because we're going to have problems. It was going to be there anyway. So in its birth of peace, it was unrelated to our circumstances, but then once we understand it, we know that it is very related uh, to our circumstances. You're going, you're not making sense. Well, what I want you to, to know is that God didn't just bring peace to take care of our problems, but he is the maker of peace. So if you go back to the very beginning of time when Jesus made Adam and Eve, there were no troubles. There were no circumstances, right? But what was a part of their life? Peace. Does, does that make sense? Sometimes we think, hey, since I know Christ, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to have problems or trouble. No. But that peace was there at the very beginning when there was absolutely no sin. It's kind of uh, a weird thing to think about. So that's why I say it was unrelated to our circumstances. But now that we look for peace, it's very related to our circumstances. God, God was all about peace from the very beginning. He didn't make peace for our troubles. He made peace because he's just this author of peace. And I believe with Adam and Eve, it was complete peace in the garden. They didn't worry about anything. You know, they, they talked to a snake. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, they walked, there, was, there was no anxiety. But now that they separated themselves, this peace began to be a great reality to the Jewish people as they understood it. Remember, peace has a lot to do also with our obedience. So, for those of you, uh, like I had several people last week say, hey, uh, 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 all the scripture that you gave, I didn't catch up with that. For those of you who are online, uh, we had our social media person put up all the scriptures that I will be going through today in case you forget one. And also for you, if you go, man, I missed one, we went too fast, then you can actually go and uh, get on that site. And at the bottom, it has where people are talking, and you'll see a list of those scriptures if you want these, because we're going to move very quickly. Um, and so I want you to grab your Bibles, grab your phones, grab your iPads, whatever you use for scripture. God is fine with any of those, because that's where the power is. Um, so I want to start with uh, uh, Isaiah uh, 9, 
uh, you saw a little bit of that in there, Isaiah 9, beginning in verse 2. Because this was a prophecy that peace was coming. This was a prophecy that Christ was going to die that was fulfilled in Luke when we read about the birth of Jesus. And so uh, Isaiah's writing is, he's, he's given this prophecy. It says in chapter uh, 9, verse 2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And it says, you shall multiply the nation. You shall increase the gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of the harvest. As with the gladness of the harvest. As men rejoice when uh, they divided the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff of their sh- on their shoulders. And the rod of their oppressor as the, as, uh, the battle of uh, Midian. For every, look at this, for every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and the cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. Here it is. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest, rest on his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, here it is, and Prince of Shalom. Remember, completeness, wholeness. He'll be the prince that brings about completeness, wholeness to what the Jews were looking for, for those who said, yes, this is Jesus the Messiah, for things that they'd hoped for from all those hundreds of years that they were in captivity. And then it says, uh, on the throne of David... And over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From, from then on and forevermore, look, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. And that accomplishment is that Jesus came and, uh, and that's why we have this season. And he was birthed and eventually he would die for us to make that peace available. He was the prince of peace. He was the prince of shalom. And then when Jesus came, he, that's what it said that he was the, the prince of Irene. And so uh, I want you to understand what peace is. And I want you to see in scripture what peace does. And remember, every time uh, I do a lesson, I always say, Lord, teach me because I know I need peace. I know peace is there. When, uh, and I may have shared this years ago, but... If I did, you'll just have to hear it again. Every job, everything, I mean, I I know what some of you do in your work. And when you work, there are hard times, right? There's, uh, if you work for yourself, there's, I'm going to help somebody out. um, And uh, I'm going to say, hey, you'll pay me after. And then you don't get paid. And then it causes this turmoil in your life right? Or I'm going to give something to you because this is what the Father in heaven wants me to do as part of my job. There are those of you that work in plants and you sit there and nobody thinks about if you're an operator or if you're working down on the ground that you're the person that goes to work and maybe you passed by uh, the TPC plant or maybe you remember and that's the environment you work in. And so you always think as, as a worker, man, this is, this is kind of dangerous. Everybody with me? You go to school now for teachers. It's not the way it was. It's, it's, it can be a very unsafe environment. 
uh, you can say the wrong thing, which causes lots of turmoil in your life, and you come home as a teacher, as I've talked to teachers, and it just overwhelms you to the point that you want to get out. You want to say, man, I can't do this. So pick any position, uh, and people are going to cause this anxiety in your life. So I'm not just talking about me when I tell this story. I'm just talking about I know you're in it as well. I know it can be hard sometimes for a police officer to be able to, to, to pull somebody over and wonder and to have some peace in their life that I don't know what, what environment I'm walking into uh, as I walk up to this car or into this home where there's a domestic disturbance. You know, we, we all struggle with it. For me as a, as a minister, I remember uh, years ago... Um, in, in the midst of being around Christian people before I went to serve somewhere, uh, um, that there was, after about a year, there was this, I was just looking for peace. And it was right there. But I'm telling you, I, I, was, I was lied to from my pastor. I was lied to from staff. Uh, they lied to the church about my position and what it would involve. It, there was so much untruth six to eight months as I got into it, and I began to go, this is terrible. I, I don't want to I, I do this anymore. And so one day, it was, it, I was driving home, and it was about 4, four o'clock or 4.30, and it, it took about 35, 45 minutes to get home. We were in a little metropolitan area, and I was just, I, I, bottom line, I was deep in depression. In fact, they had done some tests on me. Uh, we were going to go check things out and found out that I was on the, the very, I was on the verge of being clinically depressed. Because for me, I'm just this maybe naive guy that believes Christians ought to act better. Right? Uh, I was very easily disappointed, maybe naive. It's hard, even in your family, how they would treat you, Right? Uh, that somebody would treat you with such disrespect, even though y'all love one another. It doesn't make sense. So for me, I drove home that day, and uh, Shannon remembers this. I, 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 uh, I drove home, and I pulled inside the, the driveway, and I sat there, and I just thought, man, I'm dying. Ah, I'm dying inside. And I got out, and I didn't even want to go in my home. Man, everything was great at home. I, I have a wonderful wife. I had these two little girls, and I just, I felt like I failed them. I felt like I had just brought us to a place that maybe I didn't hear what God wanted. And so instead of going in, I took a lawn chair and I opened it up and I set it right outside my garage. It was cold. It was winter. And I sat down and I just didn't want to go in. And I, I don't know how long it was, and Shannon came out and she said, because uh, she heard me drive up. I know she did, but I never came in. And she walked out and she said, what are you doing? Well, for about 10 minutes, I was sitting there and across the street on the roof of this house were two doves. And as I was sitting there, uh, I was just watching them. And what I was thinking was, you know, a dove represents that peace. And I kept on thinking to myself, peace is so close, but I just can't, I can't get to it. And when I want to run toward peace, it flies away. Now, watch this. For this lesson to make sense, I was in the wrong state of mind. I, listen, 
I was not guarding my heart. I was not guarding my mind. And so when Shannon came out and said, Pat, what are you doing? Uh, you probably remember clearly. I pointed and I said, there's peace and I can't get to it. And at that point, uh, that's all I wanted. Now, back then, I was, that was my thinking. My thinking was based on, listen, my thinking was based on me. My thinking was based on my circumstance. My thinking was based on there is no way out. Back then, I look at that. And when I got out my journal uh, a couple of weeks ago and I reread uh, what I had written, I see spiritual immaturity in my journaling. But at the same time, now I know that God said, you know, I am sovereign. I want you here. Here's the things you're going to experience that are going to help you in life later on. And, and that it, you're going to see that in your circumstance, that peace is always there. And that's what I want you to learn today. It's always been there. It was there. That day I sat in the chair. If I would have been mature spiritually, if I would have been really listening to the Lord and really in the word instead of into my circumstances, I probably would have walked out and, and it wouldn't have been, look, peace is so far away. You stop and think about this. I would have been, it would have been different. Shannon would have walked out and said, hey, what are you doing? And I said, Man, I've had a rough day. But you know, I sat down in this chair because I believe I was called to. And God showed me that peace is right there. It's so close if I just pursue it. Are you with me? It's a big difference, isn't it? So if you find yourself in those circumstances, there are three things that will help you find peace. Are y'all ready now? We're gonna go inside the scripture. The first thing I want you to learn is that what I learned is that peace protects you from others. I was overwhelmed by the people around me that were doing things that were putting my family in jeopardy financially, that were putting my family in jeopardy uh, with uh, just where we were. And so I want you to know peace uh, protects you from others. Look at Proverbs 6, 17. Everybody turn to Proverbs 6, 17. Or, uh, yeah, Proverbs 16, uh, uh, verse 7. I'm sorry. Proverbs 16, verse 7. I'll give you a second to work there. Let's go to verse 6. It says, By loving kindness and truth, uh, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. Here's what I want you to see. And when a man's ways, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And if I would have known that, if I would have practiced that, then the enemies that were, that were within the church that I was dealing with, if I would have known that, if I would have understood that scripture, and he did, he led it to me now, but it should have been nice to know then, well, if I would have put more study into this understanding of peace, I would have known it then. But it says, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And when your enemies at peace with you, stop and think about it. When your enemies are at peace with you, they're not going to come after you. There's no reason to. 
But what causes that? Peace protects you from others. So when you know peace is there and you, you focus in on what God has for you, when you read his scripture, when you don't go to a person first about something you're struggling with, but you go to the word and you say, I'm gonna search this first. I'm gonna get this first from the truth. And then after that, then you go to the people that you consider godly, that are wise, that will give you counsel, that will be unbiased and tell you the truth even though it hurts because God's discipline sometimes hurts, right? We don't want to be disciplined. You know, I said a lot of stuff in class sometimes when I was in high school and junior high and, you know, it wasn't the wisest thing to say, but I got disciplined. And let me say something, you know, I didn't get disciplined by going to the alternative school or being sent home. I I got licks, Sometimes I got three because that's what they told me they're going to do. And then right before that, when they finish the third one, they go, no, I'm going to give you four. And you get one more and you go, man, I don't, I sure enjoyed being a smart aleck in class, right? But I, I, I didn't enjoy the discipline of it, right? And then you have to walk out of class. For those of you who've ever had licks, you have to walk out of class and then your friends start ribbing you, right? <laughs> you didn't get away with it. Well, Discipline is good for us. So you find a friend that's going to go ahead and kind of give you one lick, two lick, three licks and say, listen, I need to tell you one more thing because you're, look right here, because your self-awareness is very low. So I'm going to give you one more lick that's going to hurt. And you go, man, that hurts. But if you take it, sometimes it's the Lord's discipline. But what he's doing, he's protecting you. Proverbs 6, 7. Remember, it says that he will protect you and he even make your enemies, right? So there may be a teacher, like every kid says, that teacher doesn't like me, which my girls used to say that all the time. I go, yeah, they called me the other day and they said, listen, I want to tell you something. I don't like you. I don't like, I don't like your kid. I don't like what they do. And they go, no, they didn't. And I go, no, they didn't. It's not that your teacher didn't like you. It's just that you don't like your teacher. And, but they probably had more peace about your relationship than you did as an adolescent, Right? Or as a child. John 16, 33. Everybody turn there. John 16. Remember, we're going to jump around. John 16, 33. Uh, it says this, uh, 1633. Remember, Jesus was talking to, to his disciples, and he said, He said, These things, he had just told them, Hey, an hour is coming. I'm going to die. I'm going to raise I'm be raised again. It's going to be a hard time for you, but I am the Prince of Peace. So although although it looks bad, I'm right there. I'm sitting on the rooftops going, I'm right here, just remember, right? Instead of thinking I'm far away, I should have thought, wow, you're right there. Thanks for reminding me. It says, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. You see, peace protects you from others. They needed that peace, but they didn't grab hold of it, did they? That's why... They mourned when he died. That's why they just couldn't understand it. That's why they all ran away when he was being taken and was going to die. They didn't have peace. But he said, listen, I want you to see this. These things I have spoken to you. Why? So that in me, you may have peace. And then he reminds him, now in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But take courage. I've overcome the world. So that day that I sat in my chair 
and I thought peace was far away. It should have been, like I said, wow, peace is right there. And then it would have been reminder, hey, listen, it may not look like I'm in control of your situation, Pat, within ministry, within the body of Christ. Not Lost people don't know how to, to, to take care of one another, but within the body of Christ, you need to know that I have overcome even the sin nature that will always be in the church, right? And you go, really? Yeah, as long as you're in the church and I'm in the church, we have sin nature, right? That's why people get mad and leave. That's why people don't talk to, together about their issues. That's why people gossip. It's a natural sin order. But listen, the more that you understand peace protects you from others. So when you see that peace, it'll protect you. So I was falling under the lie of all the things I experienced from a staff that I thought loved me, right? But if I would have put that in my mind, this word, it would have been protecting me from that lie. What is it that you're not running to God for that you need some protection from other people? Family members, friends. Look at Psalm 55, 18. Everybody turn there, Psalm 55, 18. 55, 18. Now, uh, this was a psalm, basically, of restoration. It was for Israel, but it's still true to us. 55, verse 18. Uh, and they were talking about being, Israel being restored. But today, because of what Christ has done uh, for us, we can be restored to a relationship with Christ. 55, 18. It says, he will redeem my soul in peace from the battle which is against me. Look at this next line. For they are many who strive with me. God will hear, look at 19. God will hear and answer them. Even the one who sits enthroned from the old. Now, what he was saying is, hey Israel, I'm going to restore you. And the psalmist was saying, listen, I'm going to get peace. Because he's going to redeem my soul. He's going to take care of me in battle. Look at this. For there are many who strive within me. But he says, I'll redeem, I'll redeem your soul with peace. And the psalmist was dealing with what was going on with him. And what he was saying is, I'm going to bring you peace. I'm over your enemy. I've overcome the world. So I want you to know peace, irene, shalom. It's, it's there for you, but it's there to protect you from other people. When you find yourself mad at somebody, you're not in peace. You're not in shalom. You're not complete. You're not whole. Does that make sense? So if you're going, well, I'm kind of mad at so-and-so right now, then what I'm going to tell you as your pastor or the person that's just in front of you today and reading scripture is peace will protect you from others, but you have to pursue the peace. It's right there on the rooftop. It's flying around you. He wants to make you whole. He wants to bring things together, but you will never see it. You will simply see that you are losing when in fact, if you will pursue peace, right, you will be winning. The second thing I, I, that I love about peace that I wish I would have really learned is this. Peace guards your mind. So our minds are very, very... Remember, remember I said this uh, uh, two or three weeks ago that our minds go dark very quickly. Remember, I, I proved it to you when I said, uh, 
Uh, when people say, oh, I love this restaurant, and immediately you go dark and go, oh, I don't like that restaurant. Remember? That's because we go dark quickly. I, man, did y'all see that movie? I loved it. I hated it. Okay, why do, you, why do we do that? Because we're naturally, I think, negative people, and we have to really work on being positive. It's kind of like that when you say, hey, the other day I went to so-and-so and so-and-so, and somebody in the crowd of your friends says something, and what you want to say is, um, I didn't ask you anything. I didn't ask your opinion. I didn't ask what you thought. I, don't ask, I, I didn't ask you anything. I just made a comment. And I didn't ask for your commentary on my, comment, on my comment, right? So we immediately go dark. But I want you to know, I wish I would have been mature enough to know that peace guards your mind. So the more I learn about peace, and, uh, and it, guard, it guards your mind. If the disciples would have remembered everything that Jesus said, watch this, listen. If they would have remembered when he came to them and said, peace I leave you, peace I give to you, after he had died, right? If they remembered, then they would have quoted that. Hey, remember what Jesus said? Hey, hey, John, don't be mad at everybody else. Jesus knew he was gonna be killed. So get over yourself and remember, he sat there around that fire on that day it was 12 of us, and he said, I give you peace. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take hold of that peace, and I'm going to learn from it. And learn that what I think or what I feel sometimes is not truth. But what I know is truth is he said he'd give you peace. So I'm going to look for the peace. I'm going to search for the peace, right? Uh, for the, anybody, anybody play golf here? Okay, anybody fish here? Right? When I play golf, uh, if I hit a ball, which doesn't happen a lot, don't you say anything. Um, if I hit a ball kind of in the woods or in the rough, I go looking for that thing, you know? And I'm going to hunt that baby out because I'm going to lose a stroke if I don't find that ball, right? So I'm going to search for it. And you know what the most frustrating thing about golf and you, we, those of you who play golf, you've been there, is when you hit a ball and it goes in the fairway and you drive up to it and you go, where's my ball? You didn't go in the rough. You didn't go in the woods. It was in between. It was in the first cut of grass. For those of you, what does that mean? That first cut and they have a second cut. If it's a real nice golf course, they have a second cut and each one gets higher. You know, as you get closer to the fairway, that's your first... And I can't find it. And that, that, would just, that would just make me mad. But you know what? I didn't look hard enough. Because it was there. It was there. Unless somebody took it. Right? Some people take your peace. Right? Uh, when I was playing golf, I'm going to tell a, a story on myself. Uh, I was playing golf. I can't remember with who, but we hit a ball. And um, these people kept on hitting on us. You, you, you know, you don't, when, you're, when you're, you can't go any faster and the group behind you hits a little bit too early and it rose up on you. I always look back. And the pastor in me says, I'm taking the pastor off. <laughs> I'm going to take the Christian off. And I never do. You know, I'm not going to make, I don't yell. I just kind of look at him. Like, hey, do you know we're here? 
Do you not see us in the fairway? Are you blind? So somebody had hit a ball, and I thought it was mine. I went, wow. And I, I, I hit it, and I realized I got to the green, but it wasn't mine. Were you with me that time? And I, I don't know, but it was bad. It was a bad thing I did. It was terrible. Somebody's watching out there going, that was me. Well, you deserved it. All right. So I hit the ball, and then I realized that's not my ball. And I went back and found my ball because they had hit upon us. And so I took, I took his uh, little ball, and I just rolled it. Now, this is a 400 and some odd yard uh, fairway. I mean, it's 430 something yards long. And I put him right about 20 yards from the green. Guys, pros can hardly hit <laughs> that long. And uh, he came up, he goes, man, I am so sorry. I, I hit into you. I just, he said, I have never hit a ball that long before in my life. And uh, the, I remember y'all looked at me like, okay, you're going to tell the truth. And I went, man, good for you. <laughs> You know, good, good for you. And I walked away. Well, I actually gave him some peace that he didn't deserve. Right? Watch this. There are times where we put ourselves in our own circumstances. And he gives us peace anyway. Because we don't deserve his peace in our circumstances but because Jesus died for us and because Jesus was born, he said, you know, I'm just gonna put you a little closer to the goal I have for you. And man, you know what? There are times where God gives us stuff and it just made our day, didn't it? I tell you what, I, there is no telling how many stories that older man said, I remember I hit on hole number 11. Gosh, this is the greatest drive I ever made. And I gave him that. But that's God saying to you, when you don't deserve it, I gave you that. I gave you the hope and I gave you the peace that you feel right now that you don't even understand. I threw you closer to, to your goal with me and what I have for your life because I'm giving you peace. And that guards our mind. We remember, we remember that in our mind. If you're with me, say, oh yeah. Good. So remember, peace is right there, and we don't, we don't deserve that peace, but God gives us that peace, all right? Now, if you're the one that, well, anyway, uh, it was good. Uh, Psalm 119, uh, um, uh, 165. Psalm 119, 165. Guard your mind. Peace guards your mind. 119. Uh, verse uh, 65. Or 165, I'm sorry. 119, 165. It says this. Uh, oh, let's go to 161. He was writing saying, Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of what? Your words. So when you're persecuted, What's going to help you through and help your mind is that peace protects your mind. This is it. That while I was being persecuted, the psalmist wrote, man, your word uh, helps me along. It says, I rejoice at your word. Look, as one who finds great spoil, 
I hate and despise falsehood. Watch this. But I love your law. I don't like being lied to. I don't like being treated bad. I don't like it when bad things, but I'll tell you what is gonna guard my mind from not having peace is that I love now for us your word. I love your word. It brings me peace. Look at this. I love your word. Seven times a day I praise you. Wow. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous ordinances. Here it is. Those who love your law have great what? Peace. And the more that we fall in love with Jesus and the more that we fall in love with his word, it will be this word that, that, we, that we read, it will peace, it will give us peace and that peace will protect our mind from taking things south instead of looking north to where God is. I, I, I want your peace. We'll start putting peace in your heart now so that when that day comes, it just says, those who love your law have great peace. Look at, look at the end of that verse. And nothing causes them to stumble. Right? Nothing causes them to stumble. I've had people look at me and say, how did you hold your tongue? Because I knew the Lord would fight my battles. And in my mind, I have scripture that I've put there, that I've memorized. In my mind, I want to make sure I make the right decisions, not the wrong decisions. And peace will guard your mind when you begin to get attacked. So some of you are out there, and listen, even watching, you're you're struggling with something right now, and the reason you're struggling so much, and the reason you're angst is because you don't understand that peace protects you from other people, so don't worry about them. And also, you're not putting into practice that peace guards your mind and therefore will give you calmness. And when you have calmness, when you are calm, do you know what happens to your mind? You think more clearly. When you seek the wisdom of God, listen, if you seek the wisdom of God, you will begin to live the way of God. So my challenge to those of you who are going through something And it doesn't have to be something that somebody's doing to you. It can be the death of a loved one. Right? It can be be a divorce that just has gutted you. And all the bad has come out. All the negative has come out. And now you've turned into this bitter, negative, watch this, untrusting person. But I believe through any circumstance, the peace will be there and it will guard your mind from being mean, from closing off, look, from, being, from isolating yourself, from saying, I'm trusting no one. But in your mind, you know that God will give you that peace. Look at Proverbs 3.2. I told you we'd be looking there. Proverbs 3.2, chapter 3, verses 2. Where is Proverbs? That's right. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 2. All right, I'm two minutes over. I'll be done in just a second. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. What? Why? My son, look at verse uh, 1. My son, do not forget my teaching. Look, but let your hearts keep my commandments. Why? For length of days and years of life 
and peace they will add to your. Now watch this. Everybody goes, wow, I can live longer? Well, God numbers our days. But you want to die? Listen, you want to die quick? Then live a life that has no peace. Right? You get, you get a disease, and God says, I'm here with you. But you say, I don't feel you, so I'm done. And you will give up your days. You'll become anxious. You'll become worried. Peace is not there. And if you, I'm not a medical doctor, but it's very easy to read from these people who are specialists that say, how much stress can kill you? And I believe I could eat all the little Debbies I wanted, and that is going to kill me eventually. But I don't believe. But I also believe that if I worry more, if I'm angst, if I'm negative, that would kill me quicker than anything else. But when I have peace, what does it do? It numbers our days, right? So I want to encourage you to know that peace guards your minds. And the last thing is peace helps you rest. Look at Psalm 4, 8. Psalm 4, 8. You have put gladness in my heart more than their grain in the new wine. Look at verse 8. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Man, peace helps you rest, right? It helps you rest. And so I want to encourage you this morning as we begin to look at Advent that Jesus Christ, the first scripture we read, was talking about the birth of Jesus and what would come to us. Peace had already been, peace had already been established in the Garden of Eden before sin. And then, I'm so thankful he established peace, even though they didn't need it, because the minute they got kicked out of the garden, what did they need? Peace. But it wasn't established just for them. It was established because that's the way that God wants us to live. Living in peace is closer to the image of God. So this week, uh, focus on peace. Guard your mind. If you're not at peace with something, listen, you're not guarding your mind because peace guards your mind. You got to learn about it. If you feel like you're being attacked, remember, peace will protect you from others. And then lastly, that peace Helps you have rest. People go, how do you sleep at night? Pretty good. Because even when I go and I'm, I'm nervous about something, I think, well, God's in control of it. I can't stop it. And so even my wife go, I'll go, man, I'm not tired. She'll go, yeah, right. Because when I lay my head down, I'm gone, Right? You know why that is for me? It's not just because I'm tired. Because I'm learning to practice peace. I'm learning to practice peace. So I'm thankful to God that he sent Christ to not establish, but magnify. Look at this. To magnify. Shalom. To magnify. Irene. Completeness. Wholeness putting things back together for his glory and for 
our good. And that's my message for you today. Pursue peace this week, all right? Remember on the first, start your book, right? Start your book, start your little book and go get that. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for today and I thank you that you had established peace long before we were made. And Father, I'm thankful that you established it because that's what you want us to live in daily, to trust you. But I'm thankful that um, in our circumstances, we have that available to us. So help us to pursue you. Help us to pursue peace. And thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for sending your son during this time of year to remember that this child was born and he's the Prince of Peace. May we take great pleasure and advantage of the peace that you offer to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.